0: DTA Live Radio. Know your,
1: know
0: your culture.
1: Know
0: your culture. Know your culture. Know your culture. This is DJ FIFA, and you're listening to Don't Forget Your Culture on DTA Live Radio.
2: Radio greeting to all of you. We today have the absolute pleasure of being in conversation with Dr. Velma McClymont, who is a celebrated writer, uh, activist for change, and is also the founder and former director of the Caribbean and African Learning and Heritage Centre. Like I said, a warm extended greeting to you all. And I'd just like to say Dr. McClellan, it is an absolute pleasure to have you here in conversation today. Now,
0: thank
2: you. we've got a few questions here that we're going to ask you. And also at the end of those questions, we'll be asking you to give us some extracts from your book. Mm -hmm. Now, the book, uh, if you don't know, uh, everybody out there, she's the author of Hope Leaves Jamaica and also Birds in the Wilderness. Mm -hmm. Uh, As well as if you didn't know, she goes by the ghostwriter name of Kate
3: Elizabeth, in the summer, So, Ama Coveting, he are home. Or did you India? 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 I can tell them Godin, I can tell my grand, grand, Radio.
2: like to ask you is tell us how you became a writer
0: right I became a writer when my children were at a nur- one was at nursery school the other was at primary school I simply couldn't find any books for them in the 1980s certainly not books um, representing um, the black community black characters And so i thought because i'd been reading forever since i came here as a child i simply said right now is the time for me to write a story so it wasn't hope leaves jamaica it was actually festus and felix was the story that came about and so i wrote festus and felix because i wanted something that my children could see themselves representations of um, black characters, black families as such. And I'd spent a lot of time at the library with the children, always going through the books. And hence, really, but I had been writing for a long time, but you know, you write stories and then you just put them aside and you just forget about them. But it really was the children and going to a local library. And also my son's book bag you know they'd bring home books to read and it was always spot or I can't really remember the titles yeah, but I just yeah. knew it wasn't f- what I wanted for my children so that's what got me started yes
2: right so uh, as a writer especially a, a writer of color at that time did you find it difficult to get your work published or people to, to take notice of what you were trying to to put out there at the time
0: brilliant question I actually sent the book to Penguin Books, the children's division, they immediately wrote back, I sent the manuscript, and said, we like this manuscript, can you send us, you know, but it's it's short, can you send us some more of your work? So of course I I started writing furiously, sent them another chapter and they said, wow, we love this. So I thought, I'm in here, I'm in. Penguin books, the largest. And so they said, well, can you write another chapter? Wrote another chapter and they said, wow, we love this. Give us time to consider it. This went on for about, I don't know, months, but more than three months, if not six months. And then they said, we're very sorry, we really, feel it's not right for our quote list and I thought what is this list what are they talking about anyway I actually ended up sending it to about 12 publishers each one rejected it with a very nice rejection letter we love the characters we love the setting whatever um, some the the odd, just the rejection slipped, so I thought, okay, I'm going to take heart because they've taken the time to write and to tell me what they like about the book and the characters, yes. So I just kept on sending it out, but each time I got back a rejection, I would look at what they said, you know, or, or just the mm-hmm. write up and try and improve. Right eventually it landed at what was then matthew in children's books and the editor um wrote and said we love this story have you got any more stories as such but during the time when i was being rejected i had stopped writing festus and felix because obviously i'd finished it because of penguin books and so i was writing hope leaves jamaica so they said wow we love festus and felix but can we see something else of your writing so i sent hope along and they said wow we love this one it's not that we don't like festus and felix because the boys are older but we love hope leaves jamaica um can you just do a little bit more writing because obviously it wasn't as um It wasn't complete in a sense, and they so they said we want to give you a a contract for this book, and I'm saying, but this is the book I want to publish, and they said, no, 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 we're giving you two contracts. You see, so they said we're going to give you a a two-book contract. So we want you to publish Hope first, and then we will come back to Festus and Felix. Chapter I'm going to read is titled The White Handkerchiefs. Before I do so, I just want to say quickly, the 1950s and the early 60s were a time of upheaval for families in the Caribbean. Lack of work and limited opportunity forced many people to leave the islands to seek a better break in England, Canada, and America. So this story tells um, of a family coming to England for that better break. I begin with um, the children, three children, Hope, the main character, her siblings, Ruth and Joshua, and their father. They're in Kingston and they're going to travel to the countryside in St Anne. Um, where the children are going to live with their grandparents. The white handkerchiefs. Where is mother? I asked. We were standing by the Chevrolet outside our house, which was all boarded up. Father settled us into the car and said, your mother is in the country. I had not questioned mother's disappearance before because she was always going to the country for a rest. One time, she had returned home with a yelling baby boy, Joshua. Now, we were excited because we thought we were going to see mother who was staying with father's parents in the country. We waved goodbye to the neighbors and Peaches who had been looking after us but now she had found another job. The car sped off. We left Kingston and travelled up winding mountain roads in Clarendon, looking down at ferns, frothing rivers and huge boulders of rocks in the many ravines along the way. Occasionally, on either side of the dusty roads, ancient trees spread their branches like canopies, blotting out the sunlight. We came to a sharp bend, and a bus blared its horn. Father pulled over and we held our breath. We were on the edge of a precipice where burnt out vehicles lay on their sides below us. We thought the car would roll into the ravine. The bus driver continued honking the horn until the bus, which was full of noisy market women, was out of sight. We were safe. Ruth and Joshua fell asleep. Father slowed down and wiped his face with a white handkerchief. Then he silently stared ahead as the cool breeze wafted into the car. I sensed he did not want to talk. The road led downward and we passed a small village where people stared at us as if we were tourists. Finally, we entered the countryside where stone walls stretched for miles, twisting with the narrow lanes and cattle grazed in green pastures. We approached a crossroads. Father turned into a narrow lane. Coffee and citrus trees were in bloom. The scent lingered on the air. We stopped outside a small cottage with a veranda to the front. Gideon, grandpa's horse, was drinking water from a trough nearby. This was where our grandparents lived. In St. Anne, Grandma Rhoda was of medium height. She had tiny warts at the corners of her eyes, and her hair was hidden under a red headscarf. She enjoyed singing gospel songs and would break into a sing-song at odd times, turning each song into a medley. Then she would encourage us all to join in. Grandpa Noah had broad shoulders and hands that were roughened with hard work. He was kind and gentle, and he had a gold tooth which glistened whenever he smiled. He was also fond of dancing and often did a jig which made us giggle. He enjoyed woodwork, and he had carved several boats for the pastor who had named them The Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria, after Christopher Columbus's ships. The cottage was painted cream. It sat on its whitewashed foundation where a cellar door was exposed to one side. It had jealousy windows and steps leading up to the veranda, where red speckled tiles were always cool to the touch. Two rocking chairs sat there. Grandma and Grandpa spent most evenings relaxing in their chairs and watched passers-by. Children, Father said, it seems you've all been struck dumb. Mind your manners. Go and greet your grandparents. Ruth and Joshua had been staring at a small black lizard, a polylizard, sunning itself on the side of the veranda we snapped from our trance and climbed the steps of the veranda to greet our grandparents we were so pleased to see them that we did not realize that mother was not sitting with them children our grandparents said you've just arrived in time for lunch you must be hot and thirsty after lunch father talked about the presents he was going to buy us for Christmas. A harmonica for Joshua, a mirror for Ruth and a big doll for me. He passed three handkerchiefs to Ruth who loved pleating them. After she had finished pleating them, she always placed two in his shirt pockets and the other in the back pocket of his trousers. Children, father said, be good for your grandparents. He kissed grandma. She squeezed his hand. Then he shook hands with grandpa, who patted him on the back. Father had eaten a big meal, which seemed strange because he had picking at his food for days. He said he was off to buy candy, which made me think he was definitely acting strange. He never allowed us to eat sweets, not even on special days, and there was nothing special about today. He kissed us and hugged us, rocking us from side to side. Then he drove off. Tooting the horn along the lane. I was worried because I suddenly realized that father was dressed as if he was going to church, though it was a Wednesday afternoon. He never wore a dark suit and a felt hat on Wednesdays. There was something about father's behavior that troubled me deeply. Nevertheless, I brushed aside my fears and joined the others chasing after the car. Father, father, are you going to collect mother? We shouted. We thought mother had gone to see her old friend, the postmistress. She always visited the post office whenever she was in the country. Mother was an orphan and an outsider. She had come to the village to work at the post office. She had sold father some stamps and they were married a year later. Kerchief! Kerchief! Joshua pointed at Ruth's right hand. Kerchief! He's gone off without them, Ruth said in disbelief. Father! 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 She shouted Waving the white handkerchiefs frantically, Father! Father! But Father had picked up speed, and our voices were inaudible as the car tyres crunched on gravel, leaving a cloud of dust behind. We children came to a halt panting. The dust blinded us, and the car disappeared. We felt cheated because we had always chased after the car whenever father left us in the country he would stop and lean out of the window and say children i shan't belong be good for your grandparents ruth sniffed the crisp handkerchiefs the pleats were undone she burst into tears why didn't father stop He knows we always chase after him. Joshua began to cough because of the dust. He held out his little hand to me. Ruth walked alongside. Something was wrong. But we still did not know what it was. I took Joshua's hand and tried to comfort him and Ruth. Oh, well, we'll give them to father later. Perhaps mother will tell us the story of Hansel and Gretel tonight, Ruth said. We haven't heard it in ages. Where is mother? Joshua wailed. Where is mother? I'm tired and I want her to tuck me up in bed right now. I held his hand really tightly as we returned and slowly headed towards the cottage. I couldn't tell him what I now suspected. That mother wouldn't be there when we got back. I was right. But Grandma and Grandpa were waiting with open arms to hug us, saying, Never mind, children. It won't be long before you see your parents again.
2: I would like to know, what are your influences did you have back in Jamaica growing up?
0: Wow, that's a brilliant question. I say this because as a child, um, in the 1960s, um, before the education system changed in jamaica it was very much a british education modeled on that and so i was reading um blake wordsworth you name it um john mace Field, because it was also more poetry we were reading as children so wordsworth the daffodils william blake the little lamb um, the chimney sweeper you name it charles kingsley the sands of d so as a child going growing up in jamaica you had to learn chunks of poetry so it wasn't um fiction as such it was a lot of poetry but it was all when i came here i suddenly discovered i knew all these poets from back home but one thing that really inspired me of one person, but I didn't know he was black, was Claude McKay, my absolute favorite writer. And it's too far up to get up, but I am going to because I can see
1: it. Uh,
2: And where where, where does he
0: hail from? Claude McKay was from Clarendon in um, Jamaica, which is the adjoining parish, and he wrote, but I didn't know it, of course, My Green Hills of Jamaica, but Claude McKay wrote The Spanish Needle, which is a, my favorite poem as a child. And we had to memorize it at school in Jamaica because you could um, basically, if you didn't come in the first top three, first, second or third, um, going to school in rural Jamaica, it was a disgrace. Right you know so you were very competitive at school but a good kind of positive way and so Claude McKay really influenced me because he also has another one called Flame Heart and you know you would be reciting these poems and it wasn't until I in fact I didn't even realize Claude McKay was black because I didn't know there were any black writers until I, uh, right. <laughs> you know, till right. t- t- years later. So that really um, helped me in, in terms, but it's poetry. So I am a poet as well because I love poetry because it goes back to um, going to school in rural Jamaica. And I don't think there is a single day. I've, a, I've actually written a poem today since waking up at five o'clock because you know what's going on in the world. And so I'm being exactly. forward.
1: Jerry me up to go wal in state market, not a quasi what, sell. Jeremy, go state market, not what sell. Lord, what a night, what a night, what a Saturday night. Lord, what a night, what a night, what a Saturday night. Everybody come feel up, feel up, not a quanti what sell. Everybody come feel up, feel up, not a quasi what sell. Lord, what a night, what a night, what a Saturday night. Lord, what a night, what a night, what a Saturday night. If we must die, let it not be like hogs, hunted and penned in an inglorious spot, while round us bark the mad and hungry dogs, making their mock at our accursed lot. If we must die, Oh, let us nobly die, so that our precious blood may not be shed in vain. Then even the monsters we defy shall be constrained to honor us though dead. Oh, kinsmen, we must meet the common foe. Though far outnumbered, let us show us brave, and for the thousand blows deal one death blow. What though before us lies, the open grave like men we'll face the murderers cowardly pack pressed to the wall dying but fighting back
3: who's next hey what are you reading you mean what am i coloring and learning at the same time has no one told you about the windrush scandal and what they did to our people and what they might do again to the other groups if no one says anything or you'll forget am i too young for that book? I want to know so it doesn't happen to me. Oh no, it's for six-year-olds and adults too. It's easy to read and the images are fun to colour. Get your copy of the Windrush time capsule book on decolonisingthearchive.com.
0: Enjoy! DTA Live Radio
2: the world, my child. Awaken to life, my child. Life is good, you'll see. Come into the world, my child. Now, I did some research on you last night, very briefly, <laughs> and I've seen that the upliftment of children is really at the cornerstone and the foundation of a lot of what you do and what you stand for. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, I'm going to ask you, why write a book focused on the experience of children?
0: Because um, I came here, obviously, as you mentioned earlier on, I'm a Windrush child. I started writing because I wanted to write something for my children. So it stands to reason that I would write a children's book because I wanted my children to see themselves and to to read. But obviously for my own self, um, coming here in the 1960s, it also meant that... Um, The story that I wanted to tell and the story that came out of me that is the way to say it was a children's story and dare I say also semi it is not autobiographical semi-autobiographical so but I think it stands to reason from what I told you that I would begin by writing about the experience of children I am also passionate about reading and the importance of children reading and also fulfilling their potential as such and another thing to mention I've just thought about it is that I have worked in schools and libraries all over this country in Scotland in uh, Cardiff in um, you name it And I've been there and also in Jamaica, but mainly I've been to Claude McKay High School in Clarendon and in Jamaica. But what I've noticed here is that black children, especially, um, attention span, as we all know, for adults is about 45 minutes. And for children, it's obviously shorter. So black children often would be sent out of the classroom and I would then, I have to say no no I want them sitting by my side on the floor or I would sit on the floor with them so I've always been concerned about children and education and the importance of uplifting children and giving them positive images as such yeah I hope that answers it
2: yeah, let, let me interrupt you because you you mentioned something and I just wanted to get your, yes. your take on why that is in terms of attention span and specifically for black children. Why do you believe that is?
0: Well, if the curriculum is not geared towards, if you don't see yourself in literature and if you don't have representation of yourself then you can easily be bored or there may be other issues going on in your life at the same time but I also feel um, that black children in schools and in life in general are not treated in the same way as other children because I have been into many classrooms, I won't name any schools, and what you find that a black child is fidgeting and is told off immediately and might be sent out of the classroom for the whole lesson, which means that me being there, they have missed having a black writer. Whereas another child, A white child, shall we say, and not even white. I've seen it with Asian children as well.
3: And Asian, right?
0: Yes. They fidget and that, and they're told to sit still and, you know, and pay attention, but they're not sent out the classroom. So there have been many occasions where teachers have not welcomed my intervention because as long as it's a black (laughs) child, I am saying, no, no, no. That child is sitting and even if the child is fidgeting I'm going to be saying come and sit next to me and if they're fidgeting even more I will go down on the floor and sit beside that child to the point of maybe holding a hand or giving a book to hold on to because they're bored sometimes because there are other things going on and you've got to see yourself in um the literature that is being produced. Children, it doesn't matter what your age, you want to see representation. Also you have to hold um a child's attention. So there are different ways. And maybe they're just bored by the structure of whatever yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah? yeah? So there are many I mean, reasons.
2: Tell us about being considered the child of the windwash and what those implications represent to you. That's that that's a major question I really wanted to hear from you mm. about.
0: Well, one of the things I have to say, I have been pushing myself out there as a child of the Windrush. DTA, yes, considers me to be so, but I'm not sure that many people. But the the wonderful news is um, to be a child of the Windrush is to say to people, the Windrush experience for me personally Uh the Windrush experience is not just about adults coming here children came as well and they um, had a different experience from the adults who came because obviously adults are doing uh, work or whatever and children are being educated and what that means for me is the in terms of the education system so leaving that for a while is that i feel that those who have come out of that experience as children should be given or should uh, make sure that their voices are heard so that the windrush experience is also from a child's perspective coming here to a new country a new way of life not knowing anybody that sense of displacement and what it must be like for a child so while there are so many books written about from the adult perspective about Windrush I am very clear and very keen to ensure that you hear about the voice of the Windrush child. I also have a bit of a gripe with people who were born here. I think it's important for them equally to promote the Windrush story, but in rushing headlong they need to understand you have not lived the Windrush story and yes your parents in their sitting rooms told you about the Windrush story and what it was like but the child who lived through that experience of coming here two parents they've never known because they were very young when they were left going to school here with children um, who have already formed friendship groups experiencing racism which is something they knew nothing about we knew about shad- right. shadism in Jamaica, because you would be saying, oh, that one black like tar, because that is what we inherited from colonialism. So people did not know any better. Or you would say somebody was red skin or somebody was, Claude McKay would say, high yellow. You, you with me, though? Yes. So. And yeah. so yeah. we knew about shadism without understanding the word itself, shadism, but we did not know about racism. And so when people are, you know, retelling this Windrush story, it is important for those listening to the sound of my voice right now, people, to remember, if you did not live the Windrush experience as a child, even if your parents told you about it, it is not the same as the trauma that some of us experienced as children and we should be able to tell our side of the windrush story. The
4: well life is one big journey. Different roads people are tried sometimes good, sometimes bad. Let's see where we have gone abroad. Miss we on never journey if we had and everything we get, we have earned it. When we say we contribute a lot to this society, give it enough vibes and we give it enough variety. Come clean it up, show them both hospitality, give it place life, Caribbean vitality. Nepal ball, after the war, England did mash up, so them sent me with parents for combat. Send message to the island, say come and help us So them come from Jamaica, will Windrush The first thing they noticed was the difference in our heat Them frightened when them see the snow and the sleet Them say go left on the street, but my mama never see it appear Dog doo do. she say Pandy country, we're abroad. Me say, we on a journey Left we had And everything we get, we have a journey well then get down to business and start fear some families I saw the DJ Maccabee be born in the 60s I miss a the time DJ four in a one day Could I wanna bread, everybody get fed Life never easy, you see me Work family, I share PL and Jimmy Me book a bread, I work close, them I give me And at the time, me glad said I feel me some I plan to stick around, get stuck in the zone. Only come for what the money then forward back home. Come from yard and then walk very so I uh, them should I give them an award But they welcome them get it the kinda of get them confused and never realize them would I get racially abused them come here for work they never come on a cruise, And them never come here so fishine people's shoes For them hopes and fear they never lose Even when they go at certain dances and them get refused, So them one resources them have to use I saw you get the dancing house car blows Gone abroad Miss away on a journey We had And everything we get We have to earn it well Miss the racist crap, we didn't have to stop that. Any racist attacks said that go down flat. Remember when they cop come with the search and stop. In yet a yeti one, they were players are riad, but then they are yes for be better or worse. Some guy in a sport education and some donors.
2: Are there yes. memories from that time that really impact you today? As an adult, which you find difficult to kind of read it in them, or, or you, you find they still have negative connotation for you even today. Yes.
0: Very much so, Uh, because you must remember, coming here from Jamaica as a child and going to school, um, the two memories that I could cry still. Um, As a child, I remember being spattered, being told to go back to where you come from, and I remember wearing a green, um, it was a green corduroy cap. Well, this is a hat but it's not the cap because I think it's Caroline Binch, the illustrator, I'm not sure why she didn't do the cap, but I wore green uniform. Now I was walking home from school and one of the girls said to me, oh Velma, you need to look at your cap. And there was thick phlegm on it. A group of girls, white girls, bullies behind me actually spat at me Mm. and I can still cry to remember mm-hmm. that and this is why I say, the people, I don't know, sure enough well,
2: they, 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 they thought you were too prim and proper Yes, that, that and, so,
0: and so I was terrified, my whole, this is what I'm saying about the Windrush experience, I won't call names of people, um, you yeah. know, um, yeah. they need to understand a child's perspective is different, so it was what I would call hell, my school life was li- a living hell um, wow. And I could cry.
2: So as, as a shy retiring type, as you were, yes. what, what strategies did you employ to deal with this kind of social negative life you were living?
0: How, um, did you, what, did you what happened was that uh, basically I discovered, because obviously I grew up in rural Jamaica, so we didn't know anything about TV. So I discovered television. And I discovered that between the library on Lavender Hill, where lots of people didn't go, and you certainly didn't see, I don't really remember seeing black children, or even if they were there, because I always walked around with my head down. You got used to walking around with your head down so people wouldn't pick on you. And so I discovered TV and I discovered Westerns Now, looking back now, because I'm a film buff, real film buff, um, I discovered Westerns and I loved all the Westerns. I didn't understand that Cochise was the one whose land was being taken away. So, I mean, I can quote from that. I didn't understand how the West was won or the way West or Wagon Train, Gunsmoke, any Western, the Alamo, Fort Laramie, You know, Apache Pass, Gunfighter, whatever. I didn't expect to be talking about this, by the way, but I discovered those Westerns and I realized that I could just immerse myself in Westerns. But I also discovered musicals and South Pacific and, um, you know, Singing in the Rain or... The Wizard of Oz, seven everything.
2: Seven
0: The Seven Daughters. Oh, seven of seven yes. Of seven Howard, yes. Howard Keel, yeah. Oklahoma, yeah. you name it.
3: Yeah. I discovered,
0: yeah. not only that, I discovered westerns, I discovered musicals, but most of all, I discovered historical films like Oliver Twist and all the things, The Scarlet Pimpernel, you name it. Um, A Man for All Seasons, I think that um, any epic film, The Ten Commandments, Ben-Hur, I discovered all of those things and suddenly realised, but I didn't realise all of that was actually literature still. Uh, So I discovered all of these things, and so my time was actually spent watching a lot of TV or going to the library, but equally at school, we had a library and the nuns would say um, every book you read you have to do a book review and so I I literally used to be forever writing but I also discovered comics so I was reading Tammy, Bonte, Jackie and within those comics you could get... Um, Uh, you know pen pals so I discovered pen pals and I was always writing letters to pen pals in Canada, Hong Kong, think New Zealand and um, so this is what happened but you also could collect stamps so I had this hobby of you know rushed off every Saturday morning you'd buy your comic and there'd be like a little sachet or whatever you call it with stamps in it magnifying glass and your tweezers and so in a stamp collecting book so my time but i didn't realize it was all educational my time was spent in the library yeah yeah stamp collecting and and, 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 yeah
2: and that is really 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 at at the heart of why you are the person you are because i feel like the medium of writing and communicating through word or through poetry through books is really
0: yes
2: what what brought you through and, and and it's kind of stayed with you all these years as well
0: yes yes because throughout my life I as I said when I was at school so we can jump to that when I was at school um, and my father and the Daily Mail I saw the Bank of England applied I didn't even think but the, the beauty of that. It's because I'd been to convent school and you had the school where some children were picked up in chauffeur driven cars as well by facing the dog's home. It's now Newton Prep. And so you carried yourself a certain way because that's just how it, it really was. The nuns ironed out your Jamaican patois, your skirt, the hem was measured from your socks to see your Everything was buttoned up and your collar and your tie. Do you see what I mean? So when I went to the Bank of England for an interview, I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm black. I'm not going to get in. Now I think I'm black, This, you know, but then (laughs) I didn't think that way. you you with me. I just went for the sake. I was in the sixth form. And I went to the Bank of England for an interview, walked into this place, and a friend came with me from school. She was shy, but she was born here, so not as shy as myself. And walked into the Bank of England and taken up into wherever for this interview, aptitude test, all these different things. But I tell you what, I got a phone call at home and they said, oh, this is the Bank of England. You've been for an interview. Or first, and we want to know. it, And it says you go to Notre Dame. That's the name of my school, Notre Dame yeah. Roman Catholic High School. And I, I said, know. Yes. I know it well.
2: I know it well. There I know, you go. It well. I, know, I know a lot. I know a lot of girls because I used to go to of Boys. Oh. So I know. I know a lot of girls that
0: used to go to that
2: school. Yeah.
0: Oh. Yeah. So now they said because afterwards I noticed years later they were obviously changed and lots more uh, black girls were getting in but when I went there and you went to St Vincent de Paul Church you didn't see a lot of black families anyway they said is it the Notre Dame I'm thinking what do you mean the Notre Dame is there I didn't realise there were other Notre Dames in Fulham and Sutton and all over the place and I said oh yes 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 And so come for an interview and then off I went for this interview and aptitude test and then I got a letter saying we'd like to offer you a job just so if you can imagine but you need to come for a medical if you can imagine I didn't tell a soul because I thought I can't tell anybody because you know the teachers at school also did not expect you to do well because you're not supposed to be able to be bright enough so I didn't tell a soul until the Thursday, I'm leaving school tomorrow and I'm starting work on Monday. And my father hit the roof. He said, what? Banking? Banking is not a career. You need to be a lawyer, a doctor, a dentist or somebody. What are you going to do when you leave there? And he went mad. But I went and I've always said, thank God for the Bank of England because (laughs) the Bank of England has a library in the basement. You know they have the vaults with the gold? Well, there is a library at the Bank of England and for I worked there for 13 years and for roughly 12 years, shall we say? Because if you're thinking about time off and holiday, for roughly 12 years, I found myself at that library and I read four to six historical novels every month. For 12 years or more, not only that, at the Bank of England, I discovered slavery books.
2: People are swing the news around It's for Jamaica with I stand So please join my happy band
0: Let's all together now singles in the I hand am hand. going to read you another chapter from this book and whilst I'm looking for the chapter I will just tell you that The first story, as you can see, it really is also about the absent mother. And um, it is about journeying and travelling and a Caribbean childhood. So it is before the children come to England. Now I'm going to read you the next story, which is Festival Time. That is chapter 11. So I'm just going to find it now. And it deals with Jamaica's independence. And as you know, Jamaica gained independence on the 6th of August 1962. But this story is set some time after independence. So it is as we are approaching the end of the 60s. So chapter 11 festival time it was the 5th of August and the villagers were excited everyone was looking forward to the following day which was another independence celebration they spent the whole week whitewashing their cottages and the stones that led up the paths grandma had made sorrel wine coconut cakes, corn pone, and our favorite biscuits, which were shaped like animals. There was also plenty of aerated water to drink because we were going to have a picnic on the village green. Our cottage was situated near the crossroads. And that evening, many people stopped at our gate discussing the progress Jamaica had made since 1962, though I never understood the importance of that date. I looked into the sitting room where a white tablecloth trembled in the night air. Grandma had embroidered Happy Independence Day in green, black and gold letters around the hem. There was a bowl of fruit on the table, and we sniffed the scent of pineapples, which was the fruit engraved on the Jamaica coat of arms. We children were allowed to stay up late. We listened to the radio broadcast in festival songs, and the people in Kingston sending greetings to Jamaicans All over the world. At that time, Kingston seemed far away as we quietly listened to the voices coming at us while the fireworks boomed out over their airwaves. Man man and big man, the hired hands, were passing the time with us. They had earlier hitched up their horses by the gate. We children stared at the men. They both wore gold watches and leather boots, which they had bought in America. I decided America was the richest country in the world. And I hummed, I want to be in America. I hope the pastor isn't going to spend all day tomorrow singing gospel songs and a national anthem big man said let's make sure he doesn't man man agreed then he drawled jamaica is moving up in the world time we were getting in the groove i thought he would burst into song any minute because he had such a musical sounding voice grandma and grandpa shelled jerusalem beans And the beans fell into a large white enamel bowl, one after the other. Ping pong, ping pong, ping pong. While the people in Kingston continued sending messages over the radio. We children were on best behaviour, because we were so pleased to be staying up late. We remained silent and listened to the radio. Progress is coming to Jamaica, Man-Man said. We are importing our goods and there's also tourism. The Americans flock here like those white gulls down by the corral. Yes, man, we'll soon be a rich nation. He caught a firefly and watched the insect crawling up his arm. When it had reached his shoulder with its light, flickering on and off. He rose and yawned saying, what I hate about country life is the lack of electricity, but thank God we got a full moon tonight. We'd better get going. We've got big plans for tomorrow. The horse's hooves echoed along the road as the moon came up on the horizon. The village drunk, Tata arrived. He was a tall, yellow-skinned man who reeked of rum. He wore a faded shirt and trousers held up with a piece of string. He chewed on his gum as he said good evening and pulled up a chair. Evelyn Tata, Grandma and Grandpa said at once. We don't often get the pleasure of your company. Me giving the rumbar a miss, Tartar said, as though he was convincing himself. He addressed the saying, children, we're free of colonial rule. Now everybody should get drunk and celebrate the 6th of August in style, dancing and singing all the festival songs that come and gone since we become independent of the mother country. Yes, sir, He hiccuped. I don't think the pastor would be pleased if he heard you saying that. Grandpa chuckled. You know how he feels about music and dancing. No doubt he'll be praising the Lord and calling down the angels tomorrow. Tata said, sighing. The country bus sounded its horn in the distance, getting louder and louder. The passengers, mainly higglers, returning from the market in Kingston, sang the national song to the tune of, I vow to thee my country. The sound of, oh green, I love the Indies, Jamaica strong and free, came at us. As the voices got nearer, then they started at the beginning singing, I pledge my heart forever to serve with humble pride. The moon hung in the sky like a ball filled with water. Grandpa stared at it saying, every year the same thing happens. People sing and pray, but Jamaica is still poor. It seems we have a long way to go. Amen, Grandma said. Let us pray for the prosperity of our nation. No doubt we'll be doing a lot of that tomorrow, Tata said, rising.
3: Forest waters, you're shining
2: you like to convey to not only your audience, but the world in general?
0: Um, At this moment in time, when we see what is happening, um, beginning also with the COVID and that Black people are disproportionately affected by it, we have seen um, what is happening in America and we've seen that Black Lives Matter are here energizing our community. The message I want to get out to people, stop pointing the finger at America. Racism is real here. It has hindered people like me for the last 12 years that you cannot get an agent to take your work and you cannot get a publisher to take you because um, publishing, we know, is white middle class. Now that's number one. Number two, I want to say to people, black men are dying in custody in police custody in this country and we keep pointing the finger at america now The good message, the positive message I want to send out is not to the older generation. It is to the younger generation. I want you to know that I personally, based on my story that I've just told, I'm very proud of you for going out there and marching during this time of COVID because you are telling the world black lives matter, black people are dying every day, so if COVID is even killing black people, we young people are dying every day and you're experiencing stop and search in a way that your white counterparts would never experience because you're being handcuffed while their hands are free to call legal aid, that is important and I want to say to young people, we Pave the way for you to be here and to have some of you not all of you a better life and I want you to continue fighting to believe self belief is the key and it doesn't matter what happened. but going forward to the future I want you all to know that education it is important but equally with your education you need to know your history so that means you have to self-educate do not um, rely on the government and the education system to deal with the black curriculum educate yourselves and The most important thing that you can do is ensure that the black pound stays in the black community, which means you've got to become savvy and business minded because you must stop spending your money elsewhere. Spend it in the black community to create employment for yourselves people. That is very important. And keep up the good work. I am heartened by you all trying, saying, enough is enough. Well done.
2: Woman play
0: music, make music
2: feel sweet. Woman play music, make music full of vibes. Woman play music, make music give you life. You're in
4: tune to DJ Fever. This is Rastafari.
2: DTL Live, Live Radio. Radio.